Tonight's reading is Exodus 18. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become an alien in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliza, for he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear all about the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord, who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood round him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? while all these people stand around you from morning till evening. Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses, Moses listened to his father-in-law, and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. 
They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. That's the word of the Lord. Well, we've almost come now to the end of our our series in the book of Exodus. And this is a very intriguing uh, chapter that we have before us, and I'd like you to keep your Bibles open there, but we'll pray now and ask God's blessing. Heavenly Father, in whom is the fullness of light and wisdom, enlighten our minds by your Holy Spirit, And give us grace to receive your word with reverence and humility, without which no one can understand your truth. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Neil and I were at a a conference of ministers last Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, gospel partnership in Oxford and we were Anglicans, Free Church and various others working together seeing how with whatever our backgrounds and differences that we were united wholeheartedly in wanting to proclaim the gospel and then some of us met after in another meeting and the senior pastor who was leading the meeting Uh, There were jobs to do, somebody to take minutes, somebody to send emails and so on. And he said this, last year I hit a wall and I can take on no more. What do you do when you hit a wall, an emotional, spiritual wall where you come to a halt? Or you've been running on empty And now there's nothing left. The tank has run dry. Well, this tonight is an interesting account from Exodus 18, a lesson in management. And that might sound a bit boring, but hopefully it isn't. Because none of us really know what our threshold is. We don't know when we've used up all the emotional energy that we have. And we might be here tonight and we're running on empty Last Sunday we were reflecting on testing times, the way God was proving and testing his people, and the prevailing tendency in such times is to complain. But now from chapter 18, God has something else to teach his people. And this is the teaching from what we can call the the wilderness school, or the, or the, the school, the schooling in the wilderness, hard times. And I'd like to say two things by way of comment here. The first is that some things we learn when they're explained to us. Hopefully, there's a bit of that going on now. 
But I think in life that most things are learnt when they are experienced by us. If it's only explained, then it becomes rather academic and theoretical. But experience is a powerful instructor. And in this wilderness school, God is teaching his people through their experience. Now, Moses has both. Now, imagine for a moment, approximately two million people. That's almost the whole population of Wales. Um, being led into the wilderness. Now, they say if you put two Welsh people in a room on a good day, you get three opinions. I think if you put an Israelite, you'd have more than three. They are referred to as a stiff-necked people, opinionated, complaining, whinging, all the way through. And a whole generation is lost, spending all their energy feeling sorry for themselves. What Moses is going to learn here, and hopefully we ourselves on a different scale, admittedly, is this, that um, difficult and demanding situations can bring the best out of us. But for Moses, and we come to chapter 18 now, for Moses' greatest lesson in working with people it comes from a most unexpected source. I've always inwardly winced when you talk to young folk about their career and what they want to do and so on, and they say, I want to work with people. And I think, are you serious? <laughs> well, they haven't lived long enough, and that's a good thing to want to do. But we're not easy to live with, are we? For Moses, the greatest lesson in working with people comes from a most unusual, unexpected source. Jethro. In-laws, the rallies, can be a challenge. If you have them, you'll know exactly what I mean. Moses is father-in-law. Now, why should Moses listen to him? Number one, He's not an Israelite. Number two, he's not a child of the covenant. Number three, he hasn't got a clue about the Passover. Number four, he hasn't seen any of these miracles. But God used Jethro to turn round Moses' priorities and to help him through so that he didn't hit a wall and burn himself out. You don't know where, when you do that, and it's difficult to anticipate it. So let's look at this, chapter 18, and see some of the lessons that Moses learned, and of course, a parallel to that, the things that we can learn. First of all, Jethro's conversion from the reading that uh, Grant brought to us just now. You will see there in uh, chapter 18 and uh, verse 8. 
that Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh. In other words, he's, it's like giving a testimony. Remember, we were asking last Sunday morning, would you tell somebody uh, when you shared your faith, I've, I'm born again? And if you didn't, and we discussed this fruitfully in our home group, and it's this, well, what would you do? How would you share your faith? Well, Moses is giving an account of the Lord's intervention in his life. And a personal testimony is a very powerful thing. And it has a fruitful effect in the life of Jethro. You can read on and see its impact, verses 8 and 9. And although, and here's a tricky one, he's a priest already. I mean, he's not kosher, is he? He's a priest of Midian. He's one of these people who say, you meet them sometimes, they say, oh yes, I'm spiritual. And, well, I'm just spiritual. Now, would you listen to somebody like that? Possibly not. But he put his faith in God. You see in verse 11, there's an account of his conversion. And then you see it, and it follows, does it not? That having committed, listen to what God is doing, having committed your life to him, you express that in, in worship. And you find it there in verse 12. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God and Aaron, and to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. So there's the fellowship offering and the beginning of him entering into this covenant. So that's his conversion. Now let's look at uh, Jethro's perception. Uh, look at verse 13, for instance. The next day, so he's entering into the fellowship, worship, listening and so forth. Verse 30, next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law, Jethro, saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, are you serious? What are you doing? As if to say, do you think that you are the most important person in the world? Actually, he probably did. There are people like that. That they actually would think that if, if it, you know, if it wasn't for them, the Lord wouldn't manage. And that's rather wrong thinking, isn't it? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me and seek God's will. And whenever there's a dispute... It is brought to me, I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Then Moses and father-in-law replied. This is where we're at now then. So you see his conversion. You see, this is how he perceives things. When Jethro saw this, it disturbed him greatly. It would be great if you have a confidant or a member of your family or a member of this church to say to you, you know, if you carry on like that, you're going to burn yourself out. Would you be offended? If you carry on like that, you're going to grind to a halt. Would you be offended? I know some people would be. The danger of burnout for Moses, but the problem is the business of fallout among the people. They'd, they'll get frustrated. And the cumulative effect of frustration could be felt. What you have then? You have Moses as the leader who's exhausted and the people of God who are exasperated. Not a good situation, I think you'll agree. And you see that in verses 17 and 18. 
Moses, father-in-law, replied, what you are doing is not good. This is not good. By implication, it's wrong. Verse 18, you and these people will, who, who come to you will not only wear your, yourselves out, the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now, it would be easy for Moses to interpret that as a put-down. Why, don't you think I'm, am I not good enough? Don't you think I can manage? Haven't I done a good job till now? Look at my CV. Look how I brought the people out of Israel, single-handed. Are you sure? Well, you can imagine the conversation. What is Moses' problem here is this. Though he's very sincere, he's a poor delegator. He actually believes that he can do it better than anybody else. And so he's trying to do everything himself. And he's locked into one way of leading, one way of being a leader of the people. Now, let's try, have a little bit of a flashback here, just for a moment. You remember M Moses' reluctance when the Lord said to him, Go down, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he said, I can't go on my own. So Aaron went with him. I can't speak, so Aaron spoke. And in the course of time, Moses emerged as a leader. But now the situation is different. If multiple leadership was not God's plan then, I mean, can you imagine? Let me give you, let, 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 see it as a caricature, okay? Moses goes down with a delegation, a committee, or committees alike. And they go and they say, um, Pharaoh, I'd like to talk to you, have an open discussion. And uh, we, if you didn't mind, we'd like to leave Egypt. And uh, we're giving you notice. Well, how absurd is that? No, he had to go himself. He had to speak and speaking God's will, take the lead. But now it's different. It's not like that anymore. And there are some people from time to time who are locked into one way of doing things. Leading two million people through uncharted wilderness called for a new style of leadership. And Moses had to learn how to handle this new kind of situation. And he was finding it difficult. Clearly he was. And his newly converted father-in-law is God's instrument for communicating this lesson. What a surprise. Now, I want you to, we only have one cross-reference, and I don't know if it comes up uh, before you, and I want to tease you with a, with a question. What is our Lord doing? Look in Luke chapter, there it is, Luke chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. We'll stick with this. Luke 16, 8 and 9. All the parables seem on the surface rather obvious and practical. But this is a teaser. It's got a sting in the tail. It's the parable of the shrewd manager. I suggest to you that Jethro was a shrewd manager. Not a dishonest one. We haven't got time to read the parable. But at the conclusion, verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager, not for his dishonesty, don't read into it, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now, here's the teaser. 
What is Jesus saying here to his disciples? And is he saying something to, to the, the children of the covenant, people who've put their faith in him, namely you and I here tonight? For the people of this world are more shrewd, wiser, in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. I think that's a put down for Christians. I'm willing for you to give me a different angle on that. What is Jesus really saying to his disciples here? Don't go through life thinking you've got it all. The people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. That's a teasing statement. And sometimes people like Jethro who is not a child of the covenant, at that point not a child of light, becomes an instrument of grace and shrewdness in helping Moses through a very tricky situation. Is this simply common sense? Well, if it is, why isn't there more of it? That's what I'd like to know. Is it common grace? Do we really think that as Christian people we have the monopoly on grace? It's amazing, isn't it, that God used Jethro. You may well ask, why didn't he use Aaron? But he didn't. He used Jethro, a priest of Midian. So there's Jethro's conversion, there's his perception. And now then, within that context... With common sense and common grace coming to the people of God, here's Jethro's suggestion. And his suggestion is this. Actually, it's quite quite perceptive in many ways from the reading. And I think that these principles are a model of management today in many ways. In the business world, in church world, we have to work with people. It may not be our choice. But in working with people, perhaps difficult people, it may never occur to us that actually we are difficult as well. Jethro's suggestion is threefold. Number one, to Moses, be a mediator between the people and God. Well, a priest would know about that, wouldn't he? Be a mediator between the people and God. Turn back to um, Exodus uh, uh, 18 and just see this. Verse uh, 19. Just see this. Listen. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative, mediator, the in-between, before God, and bring their disputes to him. All Christians have a priestly role. We're a kingdom of priests to our God. Be a mediator between the people and God. That is a great calling, and often a demanding one as some people here will know from experience. Secondly, be a communicator of God's will to the people. Jethro then says this to him. 
Teach them the decrees and laws. This is verse 20. Decrees and laws. And show them the way to live. And the duties that they are to be formed. Don't just teach these things. Live it out in your life. Communicate God's will to the people. How you live and how you speak. And then finally, thirdly, be a delegator. That's the opposite of what Moses was. Be a delegator of responsibility to capable people. In our context, men and women today. So you see in verse 21 to 23, Jethro goes on to say this. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over, and here is, here's the strategy, thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. And I'm sure he would have said a, a little thing, and don't interfere. If people do it differently to you, let them. That's the problem, isn't it? Yes, I'm a good delegator, as long as people do it the way I want them to do it. Especially in church life. But have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your Lord lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. You will not be burned out. You won't, you won't hit an emotional wall. And all these people will go home satisfied. It's not extraordinary. So we're to be a mediator between the people and God. Because that's the Holy Spirit praying as well. We're to be communicators of God's will. We need to live out God's word. And we need to be a delegator of responsibility to capable people and don't interfere. And these newly appointed elders were to handle the regular problems and the minor matters and disputes. The trouble is of not resolving the minor and smaller matters of disputes that they begin to grow and they become big issues. This plan, implied Jethro, will enable you to survive, survive the pressures of the leadership task and also Make it possible to meet the needs of the children of Israel. And they will be satisfied. What's the application for us? Very quickly, just a couple of things. Well, that's Jethro. That's what he said. What's the response? Well, clearly, from verse 24, and it's there, and this comes out twice. There it is, look. Moses listened. Neil and I and Hannah and Liz and Helen and Grant and Paddy met with John Burkow this past week. And Neil and I were talking about this. And it's not easy being a member of parliament and often many of us, myself, are far too cynical about them. He listened to us. It's the one thing that we had to reflect on this man. He listened to us, gave us a good hearing, asked for facts. That is good leadership. Moses listened. He could, have, he could have been theologically, the covenant, winning arguments. He could have eaten Jethro alive. But he listened. And he learned a significant lesson. 
doesn't know everything and he can't do everything and he needs other people around him. He needs a shared responsibility. Leadership is not a one-man job, a one-man show. Moses listened and he learned a significant lesson and so must we. In verse 25, you see that uh, Moses was open to change. Neil will be presenting the case on Thursday for the plans. I know in this church that there are some people who will oppose it because they can't cope with change. They may say other things. Now, some people handle change much better than others. But look at this verse 25 here. You see, he chose Capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people and officials of the thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. He was implementing a complete change in leadership. No leader in any context has arrived in the Christian life. And we need to be open to change. Yes, you may say not all change is good, indeed, and not all change is bad either. And the collective accountability and talking and listening is part of a mature people. And finally, in verse 26, they served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jethro returned to his own country. And Moses was never the same again. If Spurgeon is right that God can use a crooked stick to draw a straight line, well, maybe that was Jethro. Moses, then, was open to advice. Are we? Here's the question I found myself asking, and it's this. As a leader, how teachable am I? Well, of course, you'd have to go back to say, how open to change am I? What sort of a listener am I? Moses, by now, was a very mature man with a vast experience. If you looked at Moses' CV, it's incredible. Yet he has so much to learn. Pity the person who knows everything. Pity the person who is not teachable. If any Christian is unteachable, then they've ceased to be mature. And that is a frightening situation to be in. How strange in the providence of God that Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, should be the means of helping him to become a greater man of God. And Moses' latter glory was greater than the former. And I feel sure that somehow Jethro had a part in that in the goodness of God. And you and I must be like that. And we must not be dismissive of people who are different to us. Or haven't got quite got the same background. 
Or don't cross all the T's and dot their I's and think, oh well. And then we somehow listen to people and we're rather patronizing. It's not helpful, is it? We need to listen. We need to change. And we need to be willing to receive advice. I hope we are. I feel sure that is so.